We are Maria and Nicole. We're two secular homeschooling moms that have been there, done that. Welcome to the Been There, Done That Homeschool podcast. Today is episode four, and we are going to be identifying your worldview. We're going to be talking about different homeschool philosophies and learning styles. And as usual, we want to stress that our podcast is an inclusive space for your everyday parents that are looking for education options. We are not here to convince you to homeschool. Uh, We want to stress that you need to do what works for your child and for your family. Every family is different. Absolutely. And you know your children best. So uh, feel free to take what advice or information you get from here that works for you and chuck the rest. Hey, Maria, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nicole. How's it going? It's going great. Um, I just saw a possum walk outside of your window. (laughs) (laughs) That's the glories of living on the creek. (laughs) It's so funny. Oh, my goodness. So um, (laughs) he looked a little ragged, but... (laughs) He did, but it was really interesting. I I wasn't expecting that. We're like, hey, let's start our podcast real quick. And then like a possum walked by. (laughs) He keeps the ticks at bay. I mean, it's nice. So this week, uh, we kind of came out of our podcast closet online. We did. Oh, and we were received with high praise. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm so excited. Like I I was hoping people would be happy for us that we were going to do this, but I wasn't really expecting how everybody was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I can't wait. I think I think it's not only our friends are super supportive, but it's also the fact that this is such a needed resource in our community. Yeah, it, I mean, it really is going to be great. Um, now, one of my friends did post on my Facebook post about it and uh, was like, this better be funny. <laughs> well, we are funny. I know we don't always sound funny. And these, these first episodes, we have a lot of content that we're having to like dish out as yeah. people get started homeschooling. There's It's a lot of information. It really is. And we're having to kind of get through it like really fast because it, it's a lot going into just like making that decision to homeschool in the first place. So, so we right. are going to cover all of this information and then we're gonna get funny so funny so just bear with us while we get through some of these first few episodes while we dish out a lot of content and it's gonna get more and more fun as we go along I swear (laughs) it certainly is so let's go ahead and get started so homeschoolers are not all cut from the same mold we're all choosing to homeschool for different reasons uh, it's not all the same. In fact, sometimes, like when you get down to the nitty gritty, we are homeschooling for completely opposite reasons than other people. So it doesn't help that there's a million options out there for homeschooling material, curriculum, all of that kind of stuff. So it can be really overwhelming for even brand new homeschoolers, not even just children that are being pulled out of school. For certain. So a little bit of decisions on learning what your, kind of identifying what your worldview and your style and philosophy is going to be is going to go a long way in helping you narrow down uh, some of your path choices here. So and that's um, a very common question on like homeschool message boards, like after everybody gets through the like, am I going to homeschool? You've now decided you're going to do it. Everybody's second question is, what kind of curriculum should I use? Always. Yeah. What kind of curriculum. And you'll get a bunch of people like coming out and saying, oh, well, I use this and I use that. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. We need to answer a couple other questions first. Well, and, and even so, when you go back and people ask me, I, I actually don't even know what kind of answer to give them because over the years, I've used so many different things that worked. And when they stopped working, we went another direction. It's hard to say what I use. 
Sure, sure. And I mean, sometimes a question for me is like, well, are you looking to homeschool long term? Or are you just looking for something to get you like, particularly like COVID homeschoolers? Were were you looking for something to get you through, you know, a short time period? Because some of the like my math curriculum, I wouldn't necessarily recommend for somebody who was just going to homeschool a year, you know, like, it's quirky and weird. But, um, (laughs) you know, there's other things that I'm like, this is kind of good for anybody. And you know, here's what you're going to want to do. All right, let's get into identifying your worldview. So this term is often used in homeschooling to describe the educational and homeschool materials that you use. It could be the curriculum, books, movies, and any resources that you use to educate your children. And there are three main types of worldview. You have a religious or faith-based, you have a more secular or non-religious, and there's also the neutral inclusive worldview. Probably the perception is that most homeschoolers are of the religious or faith-based worldview. Um, That definitely was my perception before I became a homeschooler. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, uh, there are, uh, Christianity is probably the most common religion found in homeschool materials. For a long time, that was Mm -hmm. all you could find. Um, But it's uh, kind of been changing up. But um, faith study can be presented as like an independent Bible study or an interwoven scripture, vocabulary lessons, you know, those kind of different themes and different subjects. And and this was interesting. So when I was researching, like religious homeschooling, I didn't know that there were all these like different categories. I've heard that. Yes, I was totally unaware. I kind of I always kind of think, oh, there's, you know, a religious homeschooler or um, secular homeschooler. Um, I didn't really think about all these different ones. But so here's a a couple different religious categories. Uh, One is that there's Christian young earth creationism, uh, which is a specific faith based view. It interprets the book of Genesis literally. Um, There's uh, Christian old earth creationism which is a specific faith-based view that interprets the book of Genesis metaphorically and accepts the scientifically determined estimated ages of the earth and universe. Mm -hmm. Then there's Christian theistic evolution slash evolutionary creationism, which is it interprets the book of Genesis metaphorically and accepts scientifically determined estimated ages of the earth and universe, as well as a belief of God-guided evolution. And they generally don't see conflict between religion and science. And then there's uh, other religion kind of categories, uh, Catholic, Mormon, all of that. And I literally was just reading that like off of a thing. So don't come at me in the (laughs) comments with a, oh, you were wrong on that very specific thing there. Um, That's just what I read. Anyway, so we're not really going to spend a ton of time on that uh, subject, but that kind of describes what different religious-based homeschooling would mean. Um, Both of us come at homeschooling from a secular or science-based worldview. Yes. And um, that is also a growing popularity in homeschooling styles. Um, But uh, basically, uh, it's a lack of religious doctrine. There's no subjects um, avoided. There might be multiple perspectives explored. In fact, it's probably, you know, there are people who are Christians, but choose secular materials because... Right. There's some curriculum that I have used that are non-secular, but I really like the content. And so I just kind of used what I wanted out of the curriculum for my kids and then checked the other part. Yeah. And often, um, like cultural motives and religion um, are often studied within history. So uh, while I also know people who want absolutely zero religion in their secular materials, it's kind of hard to do history without 
some religion yeah, in it. You have to you have to touch on it because there's so much history that's right. intertwined with faith. Yeah, and faith is often explored during philosophy or you know to describe different groups um, that you might have in person. Right, and a lot of faith-based people find uh, their community and support through the church, where secular and more science-based families often find their support through different clubs. Uh, play days and park days and activity groups that are formed within, you know, family units or co-ops. Sure. Um, I also have in my notes uh, that uh, sometimes the word non-sectarian can be used to describe like a general openness to diversity. So I guess that would kind of fall under like the secular heading as well. Um, it is defined as not affiliated or limited to a specific religious denomination mm-hmm. or not or, you know, uh, diverse, inclusive. Also, uh, non-denominational is associated with faith-based Christian doctrine, though I probably know a lot of uh, secular homeschoolers that might seek out a non-denominational group, too. Uh, But the basic crux is that secular is not religious or sacred in nature. The third worldview that we're going to talk about today is a more neutral or inclusive And this refers to materials marketed to everyone. Uh, It is important to note that sometimes uh, like religious curriculum companies might create a neutral or different arm of the same company. And those are just to appeal to like a wider base. Um, And uh, those can be tricky because you can't really erase overall worldview, I think. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful if you are not wanting that to, uh, you know, kind of read about what that actually means in that particular product. Right. What Um, are the drawbacks to that? Well, maybe they tend to lack overt religious lessons, but they might still have themes and perspectives that are interwoven into every subject. And this was kind of surprising to me when I was first starting out homeschooling was that one of my friends was really wanting a secular math and I was like secular math like what why why wouldn't math be I I know I was surprised but yeah but But there are a lot of religious curriculum and materials that religion is really in every little thing so well and technically the math curriculum I've always used and loved is faith-based but um it's not really a part of the it's created from a Christian man who markets to uh other Christian families but every once in a while I might see something like what are 12 apostles plus 12 apostles and and I just ignore it. You know, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't offend me. And so, but there are plenty of secular families that would never choose this curriculum based on that alone. And right. that's the beauty of homeschooling. You get to choose whatever, you know, works for you and your family. Absolutely. So another uh, drawback to uh, using neutral uh, materials is sometimes they have incomplete explanations. So for example, uh, it, sometimes it generally avoids worldview conflicts uh like uh our science curriculum might choose to leave evolution and creationism completely out like both i I don't know how (laughs) that that seems impossible right or it might leave out the big bang or avoid even talking about like the age of the earth and things like that so um and you know that might be something somebody is looking for that wants a neutral source but uh you know leaving large gaps or holes is also like kind of we call that Swiss cheese materials <laughs> like it's hard to then fill in the rest around around all of that but uh, for some people that's what they might choose and um, something important to note is that authors curriculum creators sellers um, 
YouTubers, uh, they don't always clearly or correctly label materials as these three worldviews. That's religious happened to or, me. I yes. bought something and I was floored whenever I received it. Yeah. And, uh, and no subject is immune, like we just talked about. Sometimes you'll find uh, a different worldview in something like math or that you wouldn't expect it. Like we expect it in science. We expect it in history. We expect it in some things like that. But I mean, sometimes it's in spelling. <laughs> or writing or reading right, right. Um, or art. Um, so, you know, before you purchase any kind of curriculum or enroll in any kind of class, it's really recommended that you get further clarification, like ask for a sample, um, ask them to expand on their worldview. Some uh, some uh, companies like have that in their FAQ on their website uh, because it is a common question that they get. Um, there's also groups that you can join, um, you know, specific worldview groups, uh, Christian homeschooling. There's online groups like C, S-E-A, Secular, Eclectic, Academic, uh, Homeschoolers. Uh, they are the source to go to to find out secular materials. They like hold those mm -hmm. to a certain high standard. Um, so if you want to know if uh, a material is truly secular, like that's where to go to find that information. So, Okay, great. So moving on, we're going to start talking about homeschool philosophy. And before you settle on or spend any money on a particular curriculum, be sure that you take time to look into different ways to homeschool. Yeah. This can be by searching uh, using phrases online like homeschool approach, homeschool style, homeschool methodology, education philosophy, learning style, teaching style, and learning environment. There are numerous approaches and all can be adapted to an either a religious or a more secular approach. Yeah. So what are the more most common styles, Nicole? Um, well, so uh, starting off, one of the most common styles, and this is kind of the style that I use, is uh, literature-based. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so we could probably talk about, in fact, we'll probably have a whole episode dedicated to literature-based uh, homeschooling at some point. But Nothing like cuddling up with awesome book. I know. I love it. So um, yeah, literature-based pretty much means that it's built around using uh, living books, uh, which is uh, a living book is like not a textbook. Uh, it might be, it could be fiction or nonfiction. They can be novels, classic, contemporary, written for children or adults. Uh, but the general idea is that you are far more likely to uh, recall information when you learn it in story form versus just reading like rote facts written, you know, in a Right. In a line. All those historical fiction books that we read whenever we study. Yeah, it's a way of really mm -hmm. like bringing the story to life, living book, and um, helping you kind of remember that information. So there's a couple different uh, literature-based styles. Uh, one is a classical style, and that's kind of based on a three-part process, grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Uh, the grammar stage uh, involves learning facts, memorizing, knowledge gathering. Uh, the logic stage is when reasoning and logic are um, kind of applied to that knowledge. The rhetoric stage is when the student learns like the skills of wisdom and judgment. Mm -hmm. And so that's very popular. The next one is uh, the Charlotte Mason style. And this is actually like the style that I've always used. Um, this focuses on establishing positive habits. Uh, it has shorter lessons. It got like a three-pronged philosophy where everything is based on atmosphere, discipline, life. Like that's your um, educational worldview there. You want uh, your atmosphere is your surroundings, like how your child grows up and their home environment. Mm -hmm. uh, discipline is uh, learning good habits, um, habits of character. And then life applies to your academics. So it's kind of uh, based on the idea that we give children living thoughts and ideas 
and not just dry facts. Okay, moving on to the next philosophy. Uh, that would be Socratic. Uh, that's a learning through reading, conversation, discussion, and debate. Understanding is prioritized over memorization and simple recall of disconnected facts. Practice of logical and reasonable thinking is a part of that. And my son, when he did one of his first English high school classes, the teacher taught from a Socratic standpoint. And so there was a lot of class discussions that allowed them to um, really understand the material. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I know there's um, actually a Socratic school here in town. That's like mm-hmm. a homeschool school or a hybrid school of I some sort. That. Yeah, I think it's over in Grapevine. Um, anyway, unit studies is another way. Uh, some people like to do this where you might have multiple subjects or one theme. You might integrate disciplines together rather than dividing them into separate subjects to be pursued at different times. Um, we kind of did a co-op that was like that where uh, mm-hmm. we would pick an overall theme for our year and then we would change all of our classes to kind of go with that particular unit I like for instance one year we did a um a Harry Potter semester and so we had like a cooking class that was a herbology and you know different yeah. kinds of there was everything from uh, magic they even made wands I think in one class mm-hmm. and uh read the books and had a little book club in one of the classes so. yeah um our friend Sarah even put together a whole field trip where we went to like a small town and she made it uh into Hogsmeade like she made all these different like places like you know we went to like a, a candy store oh, but so she birdie bots. shaped it around birdie <laughs> bot yeah the candy store in Harry Potter oh, so it was so really fun. really cool so unit studies are super fun uh, a lot of people like to some just piece those together and that's really cool um, Montessori is another very popular homeschool style it's also very popular as a school style in general I see mm-hmm. a lot of preschool Montessori's around and uh, Montessori schools that usually I think go up to like junior high, middle school. Um, anyway, uh, in Montessori, you use blocks of time. You use very real world activities. Uh, like you'll see uh, little kids cooking. They're just using like smaller cooking utensils. I, love that. I do the, too. They're the ones that clean up. They have their little. Oh yeah, rooms. they have their little uh, yeah little cleaning mm-hmm. uh, supplies, uh, and they might <laughs> have like pre selected like work centers. Like, and you can set this up easily in a home. It's a lot of fun. I think Montessori is a really fun way for little kids to learn. Mm-hmm. I haven't really used it past like preschool age, but I, we really enjoyed doing some of that. Okay, so the next type would be a traditional. That would be what a lot of people would sometimes think of when they think about school at home, and a homeschooler would be. Um, it would mimic a classroom in a home setting. Some people that really subscribe to this kind of learning would literally sit their child in a desk for a significant amount of time where, you know, whether the material was done or not, they would just give them busy work for that time. Um, yeah, and they might seek out actual textbooks. Um, like you can get, you know, all the same textbooks that are used in school as a homeschooler. You can order those and stuff. And some people like to, you know, very much use what the schools use, but at home. Okay, what's next on the list, Nicole? Let's see, we've got uh, computer-based homeschool, which this has gotten a lot more popular, well, especially with COVID, but it was kind of getting popular before then, too, Mm -hmm. um, where they might have lessons and assessments that are completed online. You might go self-paced. This is not the same as like a public or private distance learning program or uh, online school. We're not talking about K-12 or iUniversity prep. No, no, this would, I mean, there are certainly like entire curriculums that are online, but uh, also some people use, like you and I have probably both used some online sources that like are just like a learning use that yeah one or in a la carte classes mm-hmm. like throughout school or through one of these other uh formats there's a, there's really like a ton of those <laughs> it's overwhelming 
Okay, so next we're going to talk about on the list is Waldorf. And Waldorf is a developmental approach in phases. I don't really know what that is. So, Nicole, why don't you take over what Waldorf yeah, is? Yeah, it looks like I put zero information about Waldorf. I remember that it was <laughs> nature-based. Yeah. Music is significant while technology is not really used until high school. Uh, another homeschooling uh, way that is kind of fun and different is uh, road schooling or world schooling. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of us have known people who have uh, done this either long term or like for a period of time. They've said, you know what, let's uh, put our stuff in storage. Let's get our camper and we're going to spend a year just moving around the country. Mm-hmm. We're going to do our school on the road. We're going to learn about the different places we go and kind of uh, bring all of that family and education into our travels, do some hands-on culture studies. It's really super cool. Right. Yes. Well, and our friend Holly got in her RV and just traveled for a year. And I thought that was awesome. It was a way for her family to connect and still keep up with all of her, the educational needs of her high schooler at the time. Yeah. And it's, I mean, uh, I always say that it's really uh, fun when you can learn hands-on like we were very lucky to live at different times in uh, you know when we lived in Florida we happened to be learning about the Spanish coming to America and things like that and like we could actually go and like touch things in these museums you know we lived we lived in Georgia while we were studying the Civil War we were able to go to all these different sites and so that's that's really cool and if you can do that full-time while being on the move like even better you're in close quarters but (laughs) yeah Okay, so the next on the list would be unschooling or interest-based or child-led learning. And the parent is usually just the facilitator. Um, This is not the same as de-schooling. Unschooling is a term used for just if your child's interested in something, the parent finds out everything they can to supply or have at hand whatever the child can excel on their own. Um, And there's kind of different, or I would say different, uh, a range of unschoolers. I know some unschoolers I know are very strict and they do not want to teach their children anything. They want their child to learn out of nothing but curiosity because they're wanting to really foster a lifelong love of learning. I kind of thought I was an unschooler in the very beginning because uh, I was exactly like that when my kids were little. But as they got, you know, closer to school age five and six, I realized, no, I I really did want to actually teach um, certain subjects. Right. And you can do a You can do a combo of all these things, really. In fact, that's our our next category is eclectic. But uh, one more thing I wanted to say about um, unschooling is that um, it's kind of a neat process. A lot of people are like, oh, that's kind of nuts. Like, you're going to let your kid decide everything. But like, we knew a family who always unschooled. Child was like this fantastic musician, could just play any kind of music, fabulous singer. It came time for her to graduate and she was off to college and uh, she had never like done any math, really. And she had to pass like a, a math placement test. And so she was like, okay, give me a math book. Let me study. And she did. She hit that math book for a couple months and she went and she aced all the math tests she needed and went on with a full ride music scholarship to college. And I think that's the goal for a lot of unschoolers is that they want their children to find what they love and just do it. Yeah. She got to dedicate all uh, that time to her passion and not waste it on the things that she wasn't going to end up using. So it's kind of cool. Okay. 
So, uh, yeah, so then, uh, like I was saying, our next category is eclectic, and that's a combination of pieces from all of these methods or any of these methods, kind of mixing and matching pieces of curriculum or free resources, uh, building your own learning plan. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you've you've done that a lot. I have. I have. My my son is really uh, into music that and I thought it'd be really fun. Uh, One of his middle school years, I did the entire school year around the history of music and we did everything from reading some great novels about famous musicians and we also had a year in project he built a guitar and yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't fantastic. you even didn't you even travel? Didn't you end up going to like Memphis and Detroit and we like did. all these like cool places? We did. It was that summer after, but yeah, we did. We flew up to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and we uh, went to uh, Sun Studios up in yeah, uh, yeah. It was a, it was a great trip. That's so. really neat. I love that. And we have another friend, Candy, who she created some really cool curriculums on her own through the years when she was homeschooling her kids too. Um, she was particularly a movie buff. And so she would often create, like, pick a time period and then fill it up with different movies and then activities that went along with that. And it was just really cool. I remember she had, like, a World War II. Like, she sent it to me. I'll send it to you. Oh, I would like that. It's a really neat um, thing that she had done. But so there's, like, endless, endless opportunities if you like to do that. And did you see what we just said there? You just told me something. I'm like, I I need that. So I might actually do that next year. (laughs) I know. There you go. I love that idea. (laughs) So um, this one I've I've not actually heard of, but I saw it on a list. Uh, Wild and Free. Like, I know about the group Wild and Free, but it's uh, quality education along with adventure, freedom, and wonder. Um, I know there's Wild and Free groups that are nature-based. I'm assuming that's kind of the same philosophy there, but... And okay, and then project-based learning. Uh, you, this is also a subject you love, uh, where do. students gain knowledge and skills by working for an extended period of time to investigate, maybe answer a problem or a challenge, or doing again self-guided learning. Maybe maybe the parent goes and supplies all of the things needed for whatever project at hand. There was a trebuchet, pumpkin chunkin kind of <laughs> event, and my kids loved it so much. And oh so goodness. we we went to Home Depot, we got all the supplies, and we built a trebuchet. So that that's really a cool way to learn. Um, the last one that we have on our list is lab books. These are kind of hands-on way for students to research and learn about a specific topic. And um, you can kind of buy these uh, in idea form kind of already Mm -hmm. put together and then you put them together yourself uh, or you can again make them up this is uh, this is where Pinterest a lot of people do I love this for younger kids yeah lap books are fantastic for younger preschoolers or elementary age kids because it's really hands-on and sometimes there can be little pockets in there with little books that they create and it's so fun to pick those out and look through them and those are yeah they're super they're super crafty they're good for uh, multi-age too because you might have the big your kids are working on like a more involved project while the little ones are you know doing little art projects that are part of that same lab book so those are those are fun to do for a, a family when you're teaching multi-age so now that we've gone through all those different kind of homeschool philosophies what if you don't want to do any of that like but you do want your kids at home you want them out of the current situation that they're in or you want you don't want to send them to school at all but you don't want to be the teacher there's multiple options for doing this school at home now this isn't 
homeschooling necessarily. Um, A lot of these programs are strictly online public school, uh, which means you're still subject to a school schedule. Uh, Your kids might still have to do testing if that's something your state requires. You might have to use certain materials. So well, and also the schedule, sometimes you have to actually be in front of a computer for a certain amount of time. So your flexibility is really limited. A lot of these activities we talked about earlier in the earlier episode might not be available to you because, you know, they're happening while your child has to be online in front of a computer. Right. But this can be a great option for working parents, um, uh, parents who want to homeschool, but they they can't because of schedules. Um, uh, This is a good option for um, student athletes or actors or Mm -hmm. um, kids that otherwise need to condense that school day into a certain time and can do it that way. There are also uh, some people opt to do a private tutor. And again, you have to check your state requirements on that because that's not allowed everywhere or it's limited by how many students can be, you know, at a time with a tutor. We have friends who have been private tutor and homeschooled other people's kids. There's also uh, what's called a university model program. Uh, That is where um, it's a non-traditional school where maybe you have a la carte classes or dedicated classes um, a couple days a week and you do your other work at home. Um, That also can be called a hybrid school. Those those are, again, a great option for somebody who doesn't want to physically teach their child. Uh, We've never actually done those other than a la carte classes because you often don't get to choose the curriculum. So Mm -hmm. even though your child might be at their school only two days a week, those other three days at home, they're still having to do that work. Right. So some of those advantages we talked about in the previous episode wouldn't really apply here because a lot of homeschoolers do choose curriculum based on their children's learning style. So you're kind of married to whatever they supply to you. Right. And then um, this is a common thing that people ask when they're looking for different curriculum and different programs is accredited versus non-accredited. And uh, something important to note is that curriculum is not accredited. Schools are accredited. Can you say that again, Nicole? (laughs) Curriculum is not accredited. Schools are accredited. And you, honestly, you almost never need accredited curriculum, especially below high school. If you're not going to send your kid to um, school ever, you never need accredited. Um, I've never used an accredited program. Uh, Now, like uh, certain people like uh, NCAA athletes, they have different requirements. So if you are homeschooling a child that is really wanting to go on to play a sport in college or at the collegiate level, uh, you do have to kind of abide by certain rules and there's groups for that. But for the most part, you almost never need accredited materials and uh, accredited online school Check out our website and we will have this entire list there. So we're going to move right along. Uh, Now that we've covered the various homeschool philosophies, we can touch briefly on different learning styles. Now you already may have an idea what kind of learning style that your child has and how they process information, but we are going to break it down into the seven learning styles. Yeah. So uh, the first one is uh, visual or spatial. This might be where you prefer using uh, pictures and images to learn. Uh, The second one is oral, which is auditory or musical. You might prefer using sound or music. Third is verbal or linguistic. You might use words both in speech or in writing to reinforce learning. And then uh, physical or Kinesthetic. Kinesthetic. Okay, kinesthetic. Let's look, let's look that up real quick. Another is physical or kinesthetic. You prefer using your body, your hands, your sense of touch. Then uh, logical 
uh, which is more mathematical. You might want to use logic, reasoning. You really like systems. Social or interpersonal, you prefer to learn in groups or with other people. And uh, the last one is solitary or interpersonal. You might prefer to work alone and use self-study. Well, so, we're going to have, yeah, we'll have all this list on our website. So under the show notes. So be sure to check it out under this episode four. Yep. And it's important. Uh, this was just seven uh, different kinds of learning styles. I've, I was reading uh, that there actually are up to like 71 different learning styles that people really 71 that's a lot (laughs) it's a lot I know I don't uh I don't know that I could figure out that many um if I had to list it like in trivia format you're trying to tailor a (laughs) curriculum that might even be a little bit more complicated. right um also when I was uh trying to find a list of different learning styles um I came across this article about um this all being debunked that that there's no psychological evidence supporting like auditory visual learning or any of these. Like, okay, other I have to styles. disagree. I, I have not read this article <laughs> that you're talking about, but I know how I process information. I know how my children process information. I cannot believe that that's not a thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, um, you know, that was one thing when we have little kids and they're learning math, like my kids really could think things through much better when they used manipulatives. Oh, I love manipulatives. We did too. Yeah. That was like our favorite part. That was like one of the things that we've kept. I still have a closet full of math <laughs> manipulatives that like my kids can come home from college and play with <laughs> the linking cubes. And teach your grandchildren one day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Playing the blocks. The counting, the counting bears. Did you have counting bears? I had counting bears. I had yeah. so many different. <laughs> yes. Of so course. yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely kids that learn better, you know, actually putting their hands on, you know, things like that. And, and a lot of younger learners, especially, I mean, little kids are very tactile and they learn, they jump around and if you can uh, figure out exactly what works best for them. Okay, thank you. That was a lot of information, oh Nicole. That was a ton of information. So I like go study up, <laughs> study up before you listen to our you next one. You don't have one. to have it memorized. You can just go to our <laughs> site and check it out. But right. But just know that it's going to get a little lighter from here on out. That was a lot. So just stay with us. Hey, bear with us. Um, so check us out next time for episode five. But what about the prom? Homeschool myths and facts. We're going to be discussing that. We're going to talk about will my child be a weirdo and will they Probably. go to will, will, will they go to college? <laughs> yeah. And dealing with naysayers. Oh, yeah. Yes. And you know what? I'm actually I'm going to make a top 10 list. I okay I'll yeah, add that yeah, to the site. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Okay. We're going to do a top 10 list and go through all the myths. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Bye. Cheers. Be sure to check us out on our website at btdthomeschool.com as in been there done that btdthomeschool.com. You can join our mailing list and get news and updates on future podcasts. And be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at the BTDT Been There Done That Homeschool Podcast.